Good afternoon, y'all. And happy feast day. Thank you. Wonderful day today. Uh, St. Thomas, our patron. Um, guys, in the back of the church, we do have a statue of St. Thomas. Um, at least we think it is. It was originally a statue of St. Dominic. And they changed it and it became St. Thomas. So we call him St. Dominic. Um, <laughs> St. Thomas, a brilliant mind, brilliant gift to the church. I mean, absolutely incredible. Um, I was just in the sacristy, and I started thinking, like, I love putting saints together. Like, in history, where was St. Thomas? Where did he fit? Well, Thomas was uh, born in 1226, so quite a long time ago. But then I thought, well, there were some other saints in the 1200s, right? St. Francis of Assisi died in the year 1226. St. Clair of Assisi was in the 1220s as well. But St. Dominic is a little bit earlier. Dominic um, formed the Dominican order in 1215, the year 1215, okay? And St. Dominic and Francis actually met up with each other historically. So there's a cool encounter in the image in Assisi of, the, of that meeting between these two great saints, one in Spain and one in Italy. And they end up crossing paths and meeting. It's really fascinating. Dominic was the order of preachers. And Francis did not feel adequate to be able to preach, and so he just became the lowly little humble uh, beggar of Assisi. And Dominic was out, you know, creating a fire all across Spain, and Francis was creating fire with mother poverty um, all across Italy. And so then Francis dies. The same year Francis dies, St. Thomas Aquinas is born, all right? So that's kind of in history where we, where we land with Thomas Aquinas. What an amazing guy. Um, at five years old, Thomas Aquinas was given uh, to the monastery. His mom and dad gave him to be a monk in the Dominicans, uh, not Dominicans, the Benedictines. Because back in those days, the 1200s, the priests and the, and the monks, those were the learned ones, right? And so they wanted to give their son to the church in hopes that he would become a great Benedictine abbot one day. Because to have a son that was a Benedictine abbot was like, like your son was the Pope. Like it was like this huge honor. Well, as, as uh, Thomas grew up in the Benedictine order, he felt called to leave and to join the Dominicans and follow this fiery little preacher called, uh, you know, uh, St. Dominic, the men of the order of preachers. And his parents were not happy about it. So his mom actually had him uh, kind of bound up and brought home. Um, his brothers went and kidnapped him and brought him back to their house, and he was pretty much in a year-long quarantine, all right? In his house, kind of arrested, so to speak. Um, but he ended up <clears throat> praying hard and diligently, and he ended up getting out of the house, and he went and fulfilled his heart's desire, which was to join uh, the Dominicans, right? And became in the order of preachers. And here his gifts began to explode throughout the church. He ended up writing what most of you might know as the Summa Theologica. It is this massive work. Seriously, he's one of the most brilliant minds that the church has ever seen. Him and Thomas Aquinas right up there. That is who, Thomas Aquinas. Um, <laughs> never mind. Um, but uh, so brilliant mind, right? So he wrote this wonderful, wonderful uh, thing. And at the end of it, <clears throat> it's weird whenever you're reading uh, the Summa Theologica, it just ends. It stops. It's the weirdest, most abrupt ending to an incredible treatise that has ever been written. It's just done. Like there's... Yeah, and you look at it, you're like, like, that's it? Like, there's no end to the story. And they say the reason was because he ended up, and I'm going to probably butcher this, but he ended up having like this vision in prayer, this ecstasy that he went into, and he was revealed a particular amount of the glory of God. 
And when he came out of that prayer, he said, because God asked him, Thomas, you've written well of me. What is it that you want? Ask of it, and I will give you anything you ask, Thomas. And, and Thomas was like, I only want you, Lord. And without you, I'm nothing. So Thomas only wanted God. And he realized, he said, everything that I have written up until this point is a bunch of straw compared to the glory that awaits us. The greatest works of the church, intellectually, theological, Thomas himself says that is nothing compared to the glory of God in what awaits us. It's just a bunch of straw that can be burnt. Like, and that's where I think real humility comes in. That's where my heart was drawn to the gospel today in that part where it says, um, the greatest among you must be your servant. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled. Right? Whoever humbles himself will be exalted. There's Thomas. Thomas, with the brilliance that this man had, he could put anybody to shame intellectually. He was servant. He was humble because he realized that all was gift from God. And he wasn't going to hold it anybody, over anybody's head to make himself exalted or think he's better than anybody. So there's a true gift that Thomas had. And he was patient with people as well um, in their walk with Christ. I love this uh, quote that Thomas has. It's one that I had never read before. But he says, It's better to limp along the right path than to walk strongly in the wrong direction. It's better to limp along the right path than to walk strongly in the wrong direction. I was like, man, how many years did I walk boldly and strongly in the wrong direction? You know, whenever God calls us, sometimes, yeah, He calls us to, to make progress in the spiritual life. Limping, you're still making progress. You're still moving. You're still going forward. It's this, this idea, this, this spiritual theology that understands we strive in the spiritual life. We strive for that life of perfection in God's grace. We limp along the way, right? And that's what keeps us humble. Because so many times in my own little priestly heart, baby, I want to I wanna cruise. I want to take off running and claim as many souls for Christ as possible. But he's calling us in our spiritual life, you limp along the way, then rather than walk with pride in the wrong direction, right? Strongly, boldly in the wrong direction. And so today, that's what Thomas teaches us, right? Thomas teaches us the little way, the humble way, that no matter how wonderful our gifts are, if they're not in the service of God and the church, and building up for the salvation of souls, man, it's missing the mark. It will always keep us unsatisfied. Because if I'm using my gifts for my glory, <laughs> I'll never be satisfied. Because we have an unquenchable hunger within us, right? To give everything that we've got for the glory of God. And that's the only way that we, we are satisfied, right? And so let us go with Thomas today. I'm asking him as our patron to protect us, to keep us safe. I have a, a bone, a first-class relic of him that I'll bless you with at the end of Mass um, so that he can intercede for you today and instill that great virtue of humility, that we can be some of the greatest intellectuals, some of the greatest carpenters, some of the greatest doctors, but that we do it all with Christ for his honor and for his glory. Amen?